0: Flipstream. We're back this week with a, another edition, and I am your host, Brent Houston. It is a wonderful day today. It's uh, The weather is nice here in the Hawking Hills, the sun's shining, and it's a little bit breezy. Fantastic, and I hope you're having a wonderful day as well. So, welcome to this edition we're going to talk a little bit more this week about systems-based thinking. We kind of made that introduction at the end last week and handed that off. But I uh, thought I'd spend a little bit of time talking about my favorite sort of truism about systems-based thinking. And that is this. You tend to get what you optimize for. So, let me say that again. In systems-based thinking, you tend to get what you optimize for. Now, let's talk a little bit for a moment about optimization when you think about systems. So, whether a system is complex or simple, it's often made up of components and routines or processes And each one of those, whether it's a component or a routine or a process or a function, is open to the act of optimization. And optimization, in this terminology, is looking at anything you do. So, for example, let's say you have a process for doing your email uh, every day. And you have this workflow that you continually... Uh, go through and so you do things mostly the same every time and that is usually made up of some form of tool like you've got an application that you read your mail on and maybe you've got some cryptography uh, support behind it and maybe you've got some tagging going on and some rules going on to help filter out spam and all those things so those are all components of the overall system And each one of those components and processes and functions and routines is open and an opportunity for the process of optimization. And this is why this little truism, you tend to get what you optimize for, is so true and so applicable to larger scale things and more complex systems. So one of the questions I often ask myself if I start to look at a system, whether it's a business process where we're trying to accomplish something, um, or if I'm looking at a process that another entrepreneur is doing, or even if I'm looking at a business model for potential investment, I start to ask myself that question of what is being optimized in this process? Because, again, back to the truism, you tend to get what you optimize for. So if you're optimizing for, let's say, the financial process of a business process, so the profit level of a business process, that's usually pretty visible. And as we'll talk about in a little bit, there are there are consequences to optimizing for that thing. So the first kind of question I ask myself is, is when I look at a process or I look at a business or I look at work that I'm doing, is what is it that I'm going to optimize for? And uh, a lot of times that is sort of uh, resource management. It's looking to reduce the amount of time that a process takes or reduce the amount of attention uh, that a given process takes, or to reduce the amount of energy or electricity that is required by a given component, um, or to increase, uh, you know, the, the output of a, of a component, the uh, to increase the productivity of a process. Those are the types of optimizations you're looking for. And they are intended consequences. So as you start to look at whatever this part of the system is, we'll call it a component, this component, you're looking at optimizing it to either reduce the resource requirements or increase the productivity of the the output, or maybe you're looking to reduce the errors, right? Or, increase the accuracy, or if you're making widgets, reduce the product flaws in the number of widgets that you can produce per hour, um, or reduce the flaws and increase the the productivity. So these are all intended consequences of the optimization process. Now, when we begin to optimize something in a component, using systems-based thinking... We want to make sure that we actually understand that component. And so there are really kind of three areas when you look at a given component of uh, a complex system, uh, or even a simple system for that matter. And that is, what are its inputs, what is the function that it's performing, and what are its outputs? Uh, so this at the very basic level, this is just understanding we can't really optimize something that we don't understand and so whether that's a tool or whether that is a piece of code or whether that's a business process or whether that's a business plan, we have to really understand those three components, those three pieces of of the process, so those characteristics, what are the inputs? What's the function of the component that we're looking at, and what is its output? So sort of mapping that in the beginning is the first process of optimization. And then we're really looking at, once we're sure that we have the smallest sort of component possible, we don't have to deconstruct it any further. We have a clear set of inputs, function, and output. Then we can start to look at some of those intended outcomes. What are we optimizing for? If we're optimizing to reduce the amount of time in the process, well, then we can start to time out each one of those processes in the function and identify uh, what can be cleaned up. Um, are we are we doing some process that we could eliminate, right? Um And so this kind of gets to the idea as well of never optimizing something that you shouldn't even do to start with, right? Um, Like the very first thing before you ever get to optimizing a process, you first have to make sure you have a process. It's well documented. It's well understood that you've reduced everything down to its minimum components and that the process and each one of the steps in the process is actually required. It's actually been reduced down to the bare minimum. Because what you don't want to do is spend a bunch of time and money optimizing some part of a process or some process uh, itself if it's not even essential, if it's not important, if it's not required to accomplish the mission that you're on. Whether that's checking your email more quickly or whether that's a business or An investment. So let's talk for a little bit about unintended consequences of optimization. And again, you tend to get what you optimize for. So if you're building a process and you really want to optimize for reducing time, that tends to be the type of, of return that you get if you're optimizing for profit. That tends to be what you get. That Those intended consequences tend to come true. The sad thing is, it's just like in economics, there are often these unintended outcomes, unintended consequences of optimization as well. And a few of those, for example, that can really bite you, um, you know, the first one is not really understanding the inputs to a process or the function of a process or the output. And so if you begin to optimize something and and you find that you've got an unintended consequence because you maybe optimize something away and you didn't even realize that uh, that was a part of this of this process, right, or you didn't understand you missed one of the inputs uh to the process, or even worse, you optimize the process and eliminate a required output from the process uh as well so it's it is critical in order to avoid some of these unintended consequences that you really spend time ahead. Deconstructing and making sure that you understand any system that you're going to attempt to optimize. Uh, without it, it's, it's really a fool's gambit. Now, there are some other ones that, are, that can come back and bite you, these other unintended consequences. So uh, one that I've run into another uh, a number of times is that there can be obscured dependencies. Um, you can get rid of a step or two or a component of a process and not realize that that process or component exists somewhere else, let's say in the business or that someone else is dependent on the data produced by that step. So it may not make sense if you look at the inputs, the function and the output of the process that you're working on. You may see this, this fork of uh, the process where an input is you know work is being performed on an input and it goes off in a different direction and you may say, well well that can't be required and it's not required for my purpose for this component so I'm just going to take it out. But what you may not realize is that that component that you take out, that data flow that you take out of a process, it could be, someone else's core dependency there could be another business process if you were to raise up your view where the process that you're optimizing is part of a larger process like a business for example then that's a more complex system and your the, the part of the system that you're animi- you're optimizing is a part of that complex system at a larger scale, than your deconstructed view uh, may have you know. So this is another one of those cases where if you fail to truly understand the function and the outputs of all of the functions and how they're used, then it becomes very, very dangerous. You can encounter these unintended consequences whenever you do optimization. And this kind of all ties back to uh, reducing system complexity overall. So whenever you're doing systems-based thinking, you always want to tie it back to keep it simple. Uh, The most simple system, the better. Simplicity is definitely key. The more complex the system is, the more chance there is for things to go wrong. Now, another unintended consequence of optimization that you have to guard against, especially when you deal with either machine learning or AI or processes that are based on humans, is you have to be very careful about inverse incentives. Um, So as you optimize a system that might be fair and balanced today, you want to make sure that your optimization doesn't create an inverse incentive for someone else or for the system itself. Um, uh, and, and this can go wrong in machine learning and, and in AI in a variety of ways, which maybe we'll talk about on a different day. Uh, but suffice it to say that uh, optimization to machine learning systems can have huge ramifications that are far extending, and they may be quite subtle and not noticeable as you're working on them. Uh, In in the initial optimization phase, you may not notice the drift in the data, the change in the data flow or in the data set or the way that the uh, machine learning algorithm is uh, outputting information for months or even years to come. And so whenever you're optimizing anything that is machine learning based or uh you know if you use the marketing term ai based uh then you've got to be very careful with optimization and you have to absolutely ensure that you understand uh not just the inputs but also the function of each part of the component that you're optimizing and the function and use of each output uh and how that's determined because the the hidden incentives uh, and inverse incentives can be quite large. Now, this is also true when you're building s- human systems. Um, so, for example, one of the, the great caveats, of course, of, that that Ford Motor Company uh, first encountered when they built the production line is the inverse incentive of going faster. So if you started paying people to produce more widgets on the production line, lo and behold... The widgets got put together faster. Again, you tend to get what you optimize for. But what happened? Workers paid less attention to the work they were doing because they were focused on speed. If they were paid on the number of units, the more units they produced, then they had to go faster. And so they spent less time actually making sure they did the pro- the process properly. That increased the number of flaws and errors on on the product, and increases, of course, the uh, cost overall of producing the product, and thanks to quality testing, quality assurance. And oftentimes, those mistakes and the lack of quality ends up reducing, that's reducing, the, the client, the customer view of the product. So even though you want to make more product quickly, The act of compensating someone based upon the number of units that they produce causes them to encounter an inverse incentive. I have to go faster. The faster I go, the more money I make. So the less likely I am to pay attention to quality issues, to following processes, to being detailed and focused in a process. Now, there may be some products or processes where that's appropriate. But you have to be aware of those unintended consequences because they can come back and bite you. So, uh, as you start to optimize systems, it's oftentimes a, a great use to step back and and examine your potential optimizations to look for these kind of inverse in, uh, incentives or you know hidden dependencies uh, or. Uh, sort of hidden impacts that the system or changes to the system could have. So um, we're going to probably leave that here today. Again, this is just uh, a little bit more deep dive into systems-based thinking, the act of optimization, and some things to consider as you think about building systems in your life, and your business, uh, out in the world. Because uh, you're going to encounter the need to optimize. And I want you to remember that truism. You tend to get what you optimize for. So uh, today I'm going to optimize for uh, your listening enjoyment. I hope you enjoyed this session. Uh, We will connect back next week on the Slipstream. Again, I'm your host, Brent Houston. If you've got any feedback, comments, questions, get in touch on Twitter. You can reach me at at L-B-H-U-S-T-O-N. That's L-B Houston. Feel free to drop me a line. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you hate. Tell me what you'd love to hear me talk about. Or tell me what you never want to hear me talk about again. I'm open to all those suggestions. I hope you enjoyed the slipstream. Hope you're doing well. And... Until next time, stay safe out there.